millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Nyler Nine podcast. It's Nyler Nine here, uh, and I'm delighted to be back and joined uh, by last week's host, hello, um, regular co-host uh, Andrea Cleary. Hello, how are you? Good. Thank you for looking after the podcast last week. Um, oh, I really no appreciate problem. it. I was away on holidays in a blustery, but sometimes blue-skied uh, Greece, which was lovely. Lovely. Uh, a very chilled, relaxing time away. But I definitely feel like I'm fully back now with all the amount of music that's here and with us in the last uh, week, especially. It's kind um, of ridiculous. There's a lot of it's new music. Lot. Today was a particularly busy day. There was a lot going on in terms of new music stuff and gigs mm. being announced and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to talk about James Blake's uh, new album, um, which is called Assume Form. And... Uh, We'll be having our tracks of the week, of course, as well. But in the meantime, a lot has been happening, as we said. There's been quite a lot happening. And uh, one of the things that's been happening and is actually constantly happening in terms of energy is Azealia Banks. Yes. So <laughs> I am I feel like I'm not one to talk this week because I am sick, you might hear. And um, Azealia sounds Banks, fine. Yeah, I don't have scurvy. Um, <laughs> but Azealia Banks reckons that all Irish women have scurvy. You, What's happening? You're vitamin defi deficient and you need some calcium tablets. I need some happening? calcium tablets, yes. Please send me some calcium tablets, Azealia. <laughs> I'm calling out to you. So, yeah, this week she started in a, a fight with the entire country of Ireland. No. <laughs> Zelia, no. First of all, is there word Erlingus? Yes. Do you want to explain how this happened or what um, happened? So she was on a flight from Gatwick to Dublin. Um, she was due to get on an Erlingus flight with, I think, her manager and maybe a couple of others from her entourage. And she gets on the flight and then gets back off the flight because of reasons. It's sort of that thing where it's like something happens, scene missing, Azealia Banks is crying on Instagram. Yeah, um, her Instagram stories literally went from her spending the entire time in the airport talking to her phone and even boarding the flight until 
next thing she was just in Crying. tears yeah yeah loads of tears so she said um sitting in gatwick airport uh she says so i don't know what's going to go down with this dublin show but it's like every time i come to the uk there's always some fucking shit with these airline people always just like starting shit with me i'm on this Aer Lingus flight and i don't know what the fuck is going on in the beginning matt packed my bags i think matt is her manager he goes deep in the plane, puts my bags up, and then this lady is asking me some questions. Since I didn't have an answer for her, she went like a couple of seats over and she was staring at me. And I'm like, girl, don't stare at me. I didn't fill out your Aer Lingus work application form. Uh, she goes on to say that she was treated like a wild animal. Um, they all they all just crowded around me and, you know, they're like chastising me like I'm some animal, you know, just like, oh, we're not going to have a problem here. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? You know, so I get off the plane and I'm just like, shit, I've worked too hard in my life to be concerned by some ugly Irish bitch like these fucking ugly Irish women here, et cetera, et so, et cetera, et cetera. So far, so normal for yes. uh, Azealia Banks, really, in terms of what she likes to uh, her, the drama that she seems to bring or uh, be involved with. There is certainly, uh, I think it's fair to say at this point, with the number of altercations and things, it's not the first time she's actually been involved in a, in an airline flight. She had no. a, a Delta airline a couple of years ago, I think, um, which she got kicked off or something. Anyway, point is... This is standard Azealia Banks fare, I feel, for anyone who is somehow involved in uh, working with her and the constant drama that might be involved around that. But separately to that, it wasn't enough for her to uh, diss the Aer Lingus stewardess. Oh, no, it wasn't. She went on to say um, she started uh, attacking pretty much everyone she saw in Ireland who wasn't at her gig. Uh, first of all, it began with uh, some lads she saw on the street. She said oh, something I didn't about, see this. yeah, something on Instagram stories about their feet, <laughs> u- ugly feet. And then she said, um, "I've had enough of y'all, oompa loompa looking spray tanned crazy bitches. Um, the girls have scurvy, they're vitamin deficient, and they need some calcium tablets." <laughs> then she called the Rosa Trilly, uh, uh current cur- Rosa Trilly, Kirsten May- Maher, ugly. Uh, a post which uh, Miss Maher. Um, uh, very uh, astutely uh, responded to with a kiss. Oh, I was like, rise above it. Rise She's above great. It. She definitely did. Um, and uh, so it it got worse. And I think, oh, hold on, we, she played the gig, right? So she played the gig, and the, she she dedicated some songs to all the beautiful Irish women that were at the gig. Who were at the gig? So there was a bit of a She's wink. The there. only one she cares about. Um, uh, in the Irish Times review uh, piece from it. Um, uh, there was a guy called Brian Hogan. He's asked, he, he was asked, uh, "Why are you here?" And uh, he's a scientist. And he said, "He felt first of all, he felt he was too old to be there. He's twenty nine, <laughs> um, but he encapsulated um, the thing that we've talked about a lot recently here in terms of problematic artists and the conundrum around listening to problematic artists. Why was he there? Because she's got the bops. She does have the bops. See, this is the problem. What are you um, meant to do? So, and then her friend, uh, uh, his friend, Anne said." It kind of negates everything else. So mm. that just uh, sums up the problematic artist. And there has been lots of problem art, problematic artists in the last while, especially in uh, in terms of music with the Or Kelly stuff um, being really um, with the documentary and all that kind of stuff and him being um, finally dropped from his label after much pressure. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other thing. I think he's getting taken off Spotify as well. I think I saw that. Is he? I think so. Um, 
and he's just yeah just basically being dropped left right and center still denying all of the allegations and as far as i know is taking out a class action suit against the filmmakers right so that's you know ongoing but the documentary is excellent um it's it's a tough watch but if it is i did actually watch all six of them yeah and uh yeah it's just a litany of abuse and uh exerting power and control over Mm. A serious amount of a serious amount of women, and um, very sad. And uh, it just, but what it, what it does? I mean, I think I guess when you first heard those allegations about that he was like had a cult, mm. it kind of does build up so much gradually over the course of those six episodes. You can see why how that is built. Yeah, because when the, the idea when of control and not allowing uh, people, uh, the women in his. Uh, that he has in his control to eat yeah. or to move or to do anything. Yeah. And you really do see that um, uh, as it builds. Because I remember when the, when that cult story came out, I just saw the headline and I was like, what? Since when? Like, it's, yeah. I know, I know that it's been like an open secret that, you know, well, he, he married a Leo when she was 15 and the, there's always been um, allegations against him. And for whatever reason, the industry and the public have just sort of ignored that and said, well, Ignition's a bop, so whatever. <laughs> and I, I was funny, actually, my, my housemate the other day was asking me about it and said, oh, should I watch it? And I said, if you still think it's OK to put on Ignition at a house party, you should watch this yeah. documentary. Apparently That's, his, uh, depressing enough, his... Uh, the streams of his music rose by 116% I saw as that. a result of this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, that's... There goes my faith in humanity. Uh, <laughs> well, um, there's Spotify have a mute button apparently in the works that they have been testing out with some users. So uh, this is their response to the problematic artist uh, conundrum um, by giving it in to the users to do. So you, uh, apparently, if it goes ahead, uh, there's been a lot of backlash this week. But sure, I feel like the term there's been a lot of backlash applies to everything <laughs> yes. nowadays. Yeah. You just like um i mean with azealia banks actually we didn't even finish what she said the last thing she said she actually did say uh don't you have a famine to go die in yes you are you lot are a bunch of prideful inbred leprechauns the rest of the world's white folk don't want to associate you lot at all and it's because you are barbarians i'm happiest knowing the irish are quarantined on an island so they continue to inbreed and keep their defective genes away from humanity sound yeah um, nice so one if the spotify mute does she know about like the in, free movement of people in the eu does yeah, anybody want to tell I, I her think, about that uh, i don't know i think it's a, it's a the th- absolute state of that take like no no don't bring <laughs> up the famine it's not it's not nice to bring up the famine we don't Azealia find Banks, it funny a classy bird classy mop and there you go. Uh, so the Spotify mute button is has been uh, put into place for some users. Apparently, uh, they've been user testing it. Who are you um, muting? Uh, well, I would mute R. Kelly for sure. sure. Um, but it, it's more like for me. I mean, that's an answer. That's one possible use of it. But it's just like maybe there is an artist you don't like that you don't want to hear. Um, in, and that would mean across the radio and the automatic plays and mm. the pl- branded playlists and their own Spotify curated playlist that you wouldn't hear this artist. Just yeah. skip it. I get a lot of Drake recommended to me in my like um, Discover Weeklies or or no, not Discover Weekly, but you know the the playlists that they make for you. Yeah. Um, based on different genres there's a lot of drake in there that i have to kind of find myself skipping so i'd probably well, that could be drake. a possible use of it yeah look dude, this is something that they're user testing um and a lot of people are saying like this is oh a problematic way of, of answering the problematic artist problem because it doesn't address it but actually how can you do that um because they got a spot of got a, a lot of criticism in the first place when they actually did uh censor 
um, or Kelly on their platforms and a lot of artists including Kenneth Lamar gave out about it mm. and you know that's very problematic itself that uh, you are censoring some artists and not the others so what do you do you got to leave it up to a user to do yeah, that. I agree. Um, I think. I think. So it's, I don't it's, think it's a bad thing. Really. No, it's probably the easiest thing that they can do as, as a platform. They're is, absolving is, themselves from responsibility. Yeah. So the only other thing they can do is actually delete his music. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that takes you down another path. Um, it does. Uh, even though I think nobody should be listening to it anymore. Um, Cancelled. I, I do have I do have an update for you that I didn't tell you about oh. uh, because uh, it is our first uh, podcast in 2019 together. So I thought I'd give you an update on how the ABBA songs are getting on. Oh, because remember we talked about this um, that um, ABBA have two new songs not coming out yet, um, yes. and the reason is uh, they're not going to arrive until autumn now. Apparently. And I have the song titles for you. Oh my gosh. Um, they are <laughs> I'm not ready. What? <laughs> so Abba's first uh, songs in 35 years would be called Don't Shut Me Down and I Still Have Faith in You. Oh, <laughs> I like those. <laughs> Don't Shut Me Down. Okay. I feel like that's going to be some kind of power disco ballad. Yeah. And I Have Faith in You might be like an I Have that's a Dream. Like, that's like the, the A side, the fast A side. Yeah, upbeat, and then the ballad. And the, and the ballad on the B side. Oh, yeah. I'm so ready. Awesome. That's <laughs> ages away. Yeah, so uh, if you remember, the songs were originally recorded for the virtual ABBA experience, which was some bizarre is that still show. Going yeah, this is what it's for, apparently. Okay. Um, and uh, Benny Anderson recently had an interview on a fan site that uh, it was all going smoothly and then it didn't run as smoothly. <laughs> we're trying to establish the agreement that what needs to be done to be able to continue. We are good. It's the other side, everything that has to be done, everything has to be drawn. So he's giving out about something there. I don't know what, but uh, okay. that's apparently the reason why the songs aren't here yet. Um, At least they're admitting that they don't have everything together yeah. before they launch something, <laughs> unlike a different group of people who we might talk about. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, before that, I'll just say that apparently there might be a third ABBA song on the way because they these have been recorded for so long that they're like, we need another one. Excellent. So there might be a, it might be worth the wait. You might get three. Uh, but yes, speaking of, uh, I guess it's the big story. Disorganization. In, in music at the moment, it's, uh, and in, in life in general, it's, yes, it is the Fire Festival documentaries and all of the fallout and uh, pure cringe wordy i just like just insert cringe emo emoji here have mm -hmm. you seen the film you have you have seen the film i've you've watched it twice i've watched, it twice. watched it twice yeah so how could you do that to yourself i know um so we're talking specifically about the netflix one because neither of us has seen no we haven't seen the hulu, hulu one. one can't get hulu here and, and no it's too hard to um and i don't pirate things you know I'm, I'm i've read i've read about it and i've uh most uh, the three things I've read about it have all said that the Netflix documentary does a better job, yeah, yeah. and that the uh, the Hulu one is actually about um, how terrible social media is and how the millennials are all uh, like failing and and all they use. Yeah, I'm really happy rubbish. that the that the Netflix one didn't kind of take that stance on it that you know oh, selfie culture is destroying everybody and yeah. it's like no it's so the the netflix documentary if if you've been hiding under a rock for an amount of time for two two years or so fire documentary um the fire festival uh took place two summers ago right so 2016 well it didn't take place two summers ago. yeah um it was Pioneered by um, Ja Rule and a gentleman named Billy McFarland. You can who, apply the term pioneer to ja Yeah. Rule. <laughs> who, um, who got together to make an app. So I thought it was really interesting that the the app was the first thing that, that came about. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything guys... about this. I didn't know anything about Billy McFarland and it, the documentary does give you a good background into where he really, came from. Really, really good background. A yeah. total 
uh, con artist hustler essentially. Absolutely. Um, and the app is was called Fire as well. So yeah. was, the festival was there to the launch. The app looked really good. Like the the app was so that you could book like very kind of A list talent for your events, whether it's a festival. I do or... have problems with this. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, booking. Well, you're, a- you're involved in booking and yeah. Things well, like booking that, agents so. exist for a reason, and like, I'm just like how. Would you get access to this app? Does this mean anybody can mm. have access to this app and ask that Ja Rule play their party? Or is well, this I how it goes? Like, what is... I couldn't understand where the... the There's uh, there's people in ch- representing artists for a reason mm. because there's a chain of, of people to follow because otherwise you get, like, randomers emailing. Yeah. Like, can you play my birthday party? You know? Yeah. Um, and it's just... Like the days of up. my super sweet 16. Yes. <laughs> um, well, what I would imagine, given that... Um, Billy McFarland has had a history of having, you know, very exclusive things that you might have to pay some kind of a premium. You might have to pay like $10,000 to like, yeah, have probably. like a sense. month or something. Of course, he was going to make money out of it. Oh, my God. So this guy is just like the skeeziest guy in the world. And so they decide to put on the fire festival in the Bahamas on an island. And I'm sure everyone knows by it now. Just so let's just goes, go into it. So it I had badly. I had my uh, hands over my eyes for the entire time. Did you? As someone who's like even been on the out, just on the slight out uh, look of uh, outside of a festival organization, mm. I was just so uh, I was sitting beside my wife who uh, has organized a small festival before, and we were just both like cringing so hard at it because yeah. just the details. It was just like. You know, one thing that wasn't in uh, the documentary was that quote that uh, attributed to Billy McFarlane was like, what is it? Uh, fuck it, let's just do it and be legends. Yeah. And that was... <laughs> but we're, he literally... We're not a... a, a, a we're a solutions-driven group, not a problems-driven group. Yeah, and something it's like, like that. But we need to get toilets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need somewhere for these people to I sleep. I think what I was surprised by, I didn't know the depth of the swindle and how they moved the island three times. <laughs> um, how... They didn't have any uh, tech or production organized 45 days before the festival happened. This is happening on an island yeah. in the middle of the Caribbean. They didn't have Wi-Fi. Didn't have anything working. Didn't have uh, water. And there's a, a, a very strange story about that from one of the guys who... Yeah, worked. a really horrible story where the, the, a man was basically asked to perform a sex act um, in order to release water for the festival. It was just horrendous. Uh, yeah, they had Evian water and tanks held up at the customs. And I couldn't I couldn't figure out if he was actually asking him to suck dick or there was like a... I think he was. Was there a... A, a generational um, misunderstanding there. I don't know. It wasn't I, clear to me. I feel like he wouldn't have told that story unless that, that was explicitly what happened. Yeah, he does kind of preface by going, oh, well, um, no, you're no one's going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody heard this. Everyone. Um, but the whole thing was a complete shit show. And it does go, it shows you how badly organized it was. It really shows you, um, uh, it shows you that, uh, you know, the people that, you know, were ridiculed for going in the first place. Yes, they can continue to be ridiculed, but it just shows you the lengths that people were uh, went to. I, I think the people who went to that festival, obviously they're not the kind of people to go to music festivals. The guy yeah. that was interviewed in it who said, oh, uh, when he saw Blink-182 cancelled, he was like, oh, they said they couldn't do it to the best of their ability. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. Like, well, common sense would tell you that if somebody doesn't have 
standards yeah. at their festival then you know it's probably it's a red not flag for you go- be good yeah, yeah exactly um and you know the whole thing about the festival that it was launched with this instagram uh, this video so that stuff i found really really interesting um so i like my day job is marketing specifically social media marketing and like the their whole rollout the whole kind of um marketing campaign that they had from the from the off was so brilliant and nothing I've ever seen like uh, at that scale was just magnificent to get all of those influencers and models and just just to post this like orange square and I remember those orange squares going out wondering what they were um but I think what what the documentary shows so brilliantly is that it's so naive for people like Billy McFarland and, and Ja Rule to say, oh, well, we'll just get the models and then we'll get all, all of the influencers to come to the festival. And what did they expect? That the influencers weren't going to go on Instagram and make videos of themselves? The and whole thing is, post a, about is it? A, a parable about uh, organization and yeah. Uh, uh, logistics. Yeah. Like putting tickets on sale for stuff that you don't actually have. <laughs> um, putting houses on sale that you don't have uh, secured. Yachts? putting yeah yachts um all sorts of stuff you're just like we'll it's like we'll figure the details out later yeah and you could just see them throwing money at any problem that came and the people that are coming to them and saying hey this is an issue because logistically we cannot fit this amount of people on an island we're gonna have to put them on a cruise ship that was one of the most stressful things about it, it was yeah. just like where is everyone gonna go where are they gonna go oh my god it was and i thought the the documentary did a great job of like just inducing anxiety in you because it counts down like 45 days out 30 days out two days out and then when it comes up on the screen day of festival I was just like oh my god what's gonna happen I was so stressed and it was so much worse than I thought well one small and important detail for anyone who runs festivals who would have noticed this is that at one point there's a comment where there's like and we didn't have festival insurance Mm. like they didn't have insurance for uh which you know, would cover any problems and do weather. Yeah. And and that is what happened to them. Overnight it rains yeah. and all of their uh, mattresses, which they just left out in for some reason, yeah. um, got soaked and then there was nowhere for anyone to sleep. Yeah. Um, so the people that did arrive were obviously, uh, they were all her- shepherded into this um, the restaurant. And if you have watched the documentary, the woman that um, says she spent $50,000 uh, on uh paying staff when Billy McFarland did not pay her mm-hmm. there's a fundraiser been set up for her and she uh, I think it's it was last I checked it yesterday and it was at 178,000 yeah um, dollars so she's gonna be okay she's gonna be fine she's she was the star of the documentary but for if me. anything comes out anything good has come out of this other than the fact that everyone now knows that Billy McFarland is a con artist mm. it is that thing that she uh, has um, got the money that was owed to her and uh, fair play to her for that, and then anyone who's who's uh, submitted to that. So that's really positive. But mm. um, I guess the real thing is that, and what I was subs- uh, surprised by by the documentary was that um, Billy McFarland is, was still at his still fucking at th- it after all of it. Oh, and they said, I, I felt so sorry for the people who were working for him, who for some reason, I mean, it was young. Uh, it was like you know the idiocy of youth in a way or like the i felt sorry for them kind the 23 year old who booked had never booked a festival before yeah. and had somehow managed i mean they obviously threw money at him they played twice they paid twice the amount of money for major laser major major laser and disclosure uh, as any other festival mm. so 
it, he had yeah, an it was easy two job times in their one market way. Value and yeah, he had an easy job in one way, but the other uh, aspect of it was just like how crazy it was that all these people were telling him um, that they couldn't do it, and then they all started to get fired. Yeah, um, and some of them had a lucky break like that. Um, zero g pilot oh he was <laughs> who, fantastic who got who got a uh, i loved let him go when he told he was him like oh yeah i uh, i learned how to pl- fly a plane recently you can do it on um what was it not microsoft uh, some flight, of the flight simulator flight simulator he's like yeah you just do it on flight simulator and then you're just flying a plane i'm like oh, what a legend who was the star of the show for you the star of the show oh um i liked you have the, somebody in mind hmm? you have somebody in mind the i pigs. loved the one of the attendees who was in <laughs> he was in an orange shirt and he had the largest pupils I've ever seen on a human. He was the guy who was just like, and then we got there and there was like nowhere to go. He was the really kind of animated right, yeah, rich yeah, yeah. guy. I just he I just find him so adorable. Obviously just an idiot, but absolutely adorable. And yeah. big shout out to M David, who has the best name. <laughs> Did you see him? Yeah, M David. Yes. Um lovely name, yeah. The, the the scary part about it was how quickly the people who attended it uh, turned into a Lord of the Flies situation where yeah. they started slashing tents and taking and robbing. And peeing on uh, tents so that people couldn't sleep in them. Yeah, like, oh God. That guy's the worst. That's, he was the worst. Yeah. Um, ja Rule, He seemed though. pretty happy about it. Yeah, he was really proud about it. Um, and there's a bit at the end where, what what is the words that uh, Ja Rule is, uh, he's done on a conference call, and then you're like, um, that's uh, that's not false advertising. It's like oh, misinformation yeah, or something. Yeah, he was like, it's not fraud. It's not fraud. It's not fraud. It's false advertising. What it is, is false advertising. And it's like, yeah, but yeah, that's also illegal, you know. Um, and also there was a hell of a lot of fraud. He came out of it like so, so badly. Good yeah. God. He just seems like one of the worst people to spend time around. It was interesting to note that one of the producers, the the producers on the documentary was the Fuck Jerry crew who did the marketing for the uh, Instagram yeah. and campaign and they feature heavily in it. Now they don't come across as, uh, they don't come out of it like glowing or shining from it. So mm-hmm. I think it doesn't feel quite as bad as the other, the Hulu documentary apparently has Billy McFarland who was paid to mm-hmm. be in it and doesn't say out much and tries to humanize himself by using some analogy about a crayon when he was younger yeah. as to, you know, kind of make people feel sympathetic for him. Yeah. Um, but they paid him and the point was there were a lot of people who were, especially on that island, um, who were shafted yeah, and that never paid. got paid. And that is uh, uh, the ultimate, you know, problem with uh, with something like this when there's no logistics, no organization. Mm. Did they, I'm I'm surprised they even got a stage up. To be honest, yeah, at any point. So there only seems to be you, one stage. Yeah, that was it just there. shows you how uh, the there was people who were real professionals there who somehow managed to do their job yeah. despite all this. That was the thing. The people that were actually building, like the morning of the festival, there were people building like huts and places for people to stay. And there was an awful lot of people who worked very, very, very hard on this project so that it wouldn't completely fail. And obviously it did completely fail, but it doesn't negate the hundreds of hours of work that people did in like the very hot sun like even just you know like building things out in the heat and in an environment that's incredibly stressful um with no time doing overtime and then to not get paid for it that was just 
yeah, Billy McFarland is. So he got his comeuppance in the end, it seems. Yeah. Um, uh, six years in jail um, mm. for fraud. And uh, what I didn't realize was that um, he had been running another scam after all this. Mm-hmm. I think I thought I saw, I think I saw those headlines and thought it were just associated with fire mm. in some way. The fraud was, but it actually was some other thing he was running. Yeah. So he was just calling people and saying, hey, I'm selling tickets to the Grammys. Do you want to buy one? And it's like, that's, that's so illegal. That's just phone fraud. You can't do that. And the guy who was sort of working with him on that seemed really shady. Yeah. He's just, he's a really shady guy and he's got one of those faces. He has a company called Magnesis, for God's yeah, sake. I mean, yeah. he's just so like... He's a Bond villain. But he's got a face that looks really trustworthy, do you know? He's just got one of those heads on him. He looked like Seth MacFarlane uh, The well. image of him. Uh, did, did you Google it while you were... No, I didn't, but I was related like... Not related at all. No, I don't know. Okay. Not, like... N- but there's a, there's a moment where he's, where they're showing him on like, I think CNN or something where he's doing an interview and I was like, that... Spitting image of Seth MacFarlane, but no, no relation. But yeah, so that's our <laughs> fire documentary. Of the fire documentary should incredible, watch it. absolutely oh watch God. it. Um, you'll be hiding behind the couch for most of it, but it is brilliant. Yeah, you'll need some uh, air after watching that. Yeah. Uh, it is great, though. I did really enjoy. It. I can't believe you watched it twice. I did watch it twice. <laughs> yeah. So, in other news, um, moving on from uh, some a terrible situation in the Caribbean to uh, a possibly terrible situation. I don't know. Apparently, the Oscars is no fun to attend. Yeah. Um, but there, the nominations were out uh, this week, and uh, I guess being a music podcast, we were going to just focus briefly on the uh, best original songs. Include uh, all the stars um, from SZA and Kendrick Lamar, um, the place where lost things go from Mary Poppins Returns, which I've seen. Is it good? Yeah, it's a good. It's yeah. decent. Uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's good. Um, when a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the um, Coen Brothers film, which is good. I don't remember the song. Oh, that must be the first one. That's the first song in the, in the film. Okay. Um, and then Shallow uh, from A Star is Born, which probably is going to win this, I'd say. Um, yeah. If it doesn't likely. win anything else. Um, and, uh, and then I'll Fight from the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary by Diane Warren. Uh, notable for me is the um, the best original score. The nominations are uh, Black Panther, Ludwig Göransson, uh, Black Klansman, Terence Blanchard, which I've heard mixed reports about that uh, film. Um, that is the uh, Spike. I've Lee heard film. nothing but good things. Really, yeah. I've heard. I've seen some really like negative things about oh, it recently. Okay. Uh, if Beale Street could talk, uh, Nicholas Brettel, uh, Isle of Dogs, Alexander Displat, which is an amazing film, um, mm. obviously. Um, it is uh, Wes Anderson, and he, he really nails the Wes Anderson vibes for that. Yeah, uh, and I think Mar- that that might get the animated feature. Yeah, and then Mary Poppins returns for um, the uh, score for that. Um, there is a few notable things missing from that for me in terms of films I've seen recently and and scores I've enjoyed. Um, Suspiria, the um, sure. remake from uh, Tom York did the uh, entire score for that. Uh, the score from Colin Stetson for Hereditary, the horror film. A really, really good horror film and a very intense score that deserved um, okay. some recognition in that way. Anyway, there's some recognition for you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an Oscar, but and, you got a shout out. Yeah, and the other one is uh, the Bo Burnham uh, film, Eighth Grade, and the Anna Meredith score. Uh, she's an English composer and some very intense uh, scoring and, and really, really um, interesting uh, cuts and stuff in that yeah. and I think it's a really great score so those three are worth shout outs who knows who will win it's the Oscars who do you think How will win we know um, probably A Star is Born for, for the original and then maybe I would oh sorry I, I am 
No, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the best uh, picture there. Um, original score could be any of them, really. Black Panther, I'd like to see win. Yeah. I think it's a really good score. And the way that there's a really good song spoiler about um, how he made that and how those uh, samples and uh, songs from uh, that he actually recorded with African tribes got into um, Kendrick's music as well. Mm-hmm. So um, in a way, one of my favorite albums of the year last year, Black Panther, the soundtrack album, as opposed to the score, it also is informed by uh, Ludwig Gornson's score as well. So, uh, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I'd I'd hope for that, um, but I reckon A Star Is Born is going to win basically everything that it's nominated for. Yeah, good chance. Mm. Um, so, uh, moving on from um, the Oscars to uh, back to music, and uh, there was a report this week that said um, Condé Nast is going to put all of its websites behind a paywall. Mm. which is interesting. Um, what websites would be affected by that then? Well, one of them that we're particularly interested in is Pitchfork. Yeah. So I'm interested in this because we run Nile Nine. It's been going for 13 years. We're a much smaller operation and less influential operation than um, Pitchfork, much as it pains me to admit. <laughs> <laughs> but it just sh- I think it just uh, highlights again the... the um, the realities of running a website as a business in twenty uh, in the twenty first century. Um, mm-hmm. Google and Facebook, Facebook in particular, have taken all of the ad revenue and put it on their platform. So it is really hard to make money from advertising these days, and it is disheartening to hear that a platform like Pitchfork, which surely has millions and millions of views, uh, at least millions per day, um, is not quite living up to its standards in terms of being able to be a viable business so that yeah. is a worry for me like personally speaking you know we we started a patreon page uh, last month um kind of help us um answer that and we do take advertising on other nine and we have some regular advertising but it's not enough because the rates for digital ads are nowhere near they've only gone down compared to print so okay it's like what are we willing to pay for and that's the uh, the thing that keeps coming that I keep coming back to i'm i do pay for a lot of stuff that i read online but like the new yorker and uh, the irish times and the new york times and uh, some other publications but you know it's like one of those things is like what is the value if you value something you have to support it in some way because yeah. it's not going to be around forever um so i think it's like the I, the idea of people paying for things wasn't even a thing a few years ago with mm. like netflix and now we have netflix and spotify and people are happy to pay for those services so i think you have to support um the publications that you do enjoy so you know yeah, i wonder if if in in the near future there's going to be some kind of netflix or spotify but for journalism where th- there'll be a platform that places like Pitchfork or The Guardian or The Irish Times or wherever can host their stuff and you, the user would pay a subscription and then read. I feel like that's probably not far off. Um, there has been some examples of um, companies who have tried to do that. Yeah. I can't remember most of their names. It will only work if if everyone's in it, though, yeah. is the thing. There was a, a, a thing called Flatter a few years ago, which was like a little button. And basically you would top it up maybe a tenner a month. Mm. And if you saw a Flatter button on a page of something you enjoyed you could uh, allocate some of your money oh yeah that i remember that yeah to this publication yeah um but it didn't have enough people using no. it so it didn't really take off but it was a great it was a good idea because it was like independent to anything so if you made a youtube video that someone like instead of pressing it's equivalent of pressing a like button yeah but instead of a like button uh, that means nothing it just actually 
assign some of your money your that you ascribe to that uh, account per month to uh, that uh, user. So it's yeah. like a direct payment. So um, there, that was one way of doing it, but it didn't take off. And I've seen a few others, and there's definitely going to be more because this is a problem that is uh, needs an answer. Yeah, um, it is because, I mean, I remember before I was, you know, using digital media, I, I used to buy music magazines every week. I used to spend quite a bit of money on like music publications and then all of a sudden I didn't have to anymore so now we're, we're coming back around we're coming full circle and with, with something like Pitchfork I read Pitchfork almost every day and it's I'm, I'm more more than willing to kind of pay the equivalent of whatever a magazine would cost uh, in order to get access because it's unlimited access to like it's past library as well so yeah. I'm, I'm like I know what I I'm very, kind of reluctant to part with my money as as a lot of us are these days, but for stuff like this, especially working in an industry that is just falling to the gig economy and to people having to work for free, it's it's important to kind of support people. Argument to be made that Pitchfork are one of the biggest you know publications of uh, music journalism in the world, and maybe we should be supporting locally or whatever. But you know that's up to the individual user for sure so you know i mean if you like pitchfork <laughs> pay for it yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, and similarly you know if you like w- what we do here at nine or nine you know you like the podcast you know consider subscribing to the patreon you, you know it is what it is and we we do you know that's the reality of the situation i'm not gonna sugarcoat it you know like we do we do okay but you know everyone could always do better mm-hmm. and uh, direct support is is the best way of showing that to start getting like really annoying GIF like pop up ads. Oh yes. On your on the website and like little dancing homers. I'm gonna try that. Please do. <laughs> so <laughs> we move on to um, uh, our album of the week. I think we will. Yes. It is uh, from James Blake, and the album is called Assume Form. I'm gonna listen to a track from it now. It is called Can't Believe the Way We Flow. Can't believe the way we and they see what you could do, everyone. I know it took you a while to get to California. I had no idea I was waiting on you. I can't believe the way you flow. I can't So our album of the week this week is James Blake, and that is a song called "Can't Believe the Way We Flow." Um, it is uh, he a, a different album for James, uh, Mister James Blake. Um, the artist is present, I would say, in this yes. case. Um, certainly compared to his earlier work, uh, he's putting much more of himself in this album. He is uh, talking about love. It is a love. Uh, centered album i would say it's a it's an album about romance and falling yeah. in love um and not something we were all expecting especially after his last album, i think it was his third album was it um yes which was quite dark and hard to love it was like an impressive album that was hard to love um so uh, i'm really really enjoying assume form i must say it is something that i wasn't 
but we didn't really know it was coming until two weeks ago or mm. whatever it was. Um, we had an idea, but uh, it, it certainly has captured my imagination. And how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm I'm a really, really big fan of, of this album. I would have been like you with, with his third one. Um, the Colour and Anything. The Colour and Anything. Called, yeah. I, I awaited that with bated breath. I was very, very excited for that album. And then when it came, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I thought it was a bit heady and a bit... Yeah, heady is a a word that comes up on this album actually from uh, from Andre three thousand. But um, a uh, big 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 fan of this record. I think that the the the, the love record, <laughs> if I can phrase it that way. But the um, like I'm obviously a big fan of Father John Misty's "I Love You, Honey Bear," and I think that there's a a reasonable kind of connection to be made between that record and this record in that it's sort of celebrating love's intricacies and domesticity and uh, kind of just giving you little vignettes into what domestic life is between him and his partner Jamila Jamil um who is awesome as well and musically I think it's so vast and there's so much to get your head around like I've I've been listening to it non-stop since it came out and I don't feel like I've even scratched the surface with what yeah, he's doing you know I feel like it has some of the best of his um light production techniques and mm. sample use which we'll talk about in a bit um but as well as that it's just a really beautiful album and that one that you really feel like you can get lost in and it does i i think not since his first album have i felt like you can really he has really something where you can really just truly get lost in in this mm. way and um i'm it's interesting to note, like it's there's a lot of lyrics about traveling. He lives in Los Angeles now. A lot of lyrics about, like we say, um, love, but also being with your partner and just being with only that person mm -hmm. and that kind of like first stage of, of falling in love with somebody where you only stay with them and don't do anything else or don't see your friends you or lose anything all like your friends. Yeah, and, it's just like, yeah. but it's also a lot about you know being positive and being grateful, which is not something that James Blake is known for. Mm. So one of the terms that has been ascribed to him in the past is the term "sad boy," mm. and um, it's something he he kind of called out last year when he said that um, publications who use this term they um, kind of it is it's unfair to him and it stigmatizes men who open up about their feelings. Um, and this is truly him opening up about um, where he is in his life. And uh, it is a really interesting release. And a lot of uh, guests on it as well. Metro Boomin is on a track here that works really well. My girl Rosalie is on this. Your gal. Uh, She's she, fantastic. She does it. a great job on a track which we'll play in a bit. But uh, which features, as we confirmed today, officially, an Irish uh, trad sample from 1971 from an artist called Valerie Armstrong um, and an RT video. That was uh, recorded when she was just 13 years of age. Yeah. So there you go. Amazing. I got an email from the artist herself today to confirm. So that was good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just there's a lot of really nice use of, of samples. There's a bit of humor in there as well. There's like that song. You don't think it's got a suffocating seriousness oh, is, as, as Pitchfork pitch, said? Yeah, so that Pitchfork review, right? Um, Not paying for that one, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I read it and I was kind of going, oh, you know what? I haven't actually read the album lyrics yet. So... Mm. That's what I did today, and I don't. I feel like they are being very uh, critical of his album and mm. and the, his um, the themes and the way that he goes about it. Okay, they say that he used the personal pronoun I one hundred and thirty six times mm. on this album, but it's an album about himself. 
But I'm like, what's the I don't really feel so? like it's indulgent in that no, way. It doesn't God, feel no. indulgent. It it's, an, it's an album about himself, but it's a, it's an album about himself in love, which in a way is is sort of the self-removed and trying to yeah. understand who you are as a person when you are with the other person because it's changed. And th- that it feels like this album is him getting to know who he is in this relationship. So wh- while it is a bit inward, it's also it's self-discovery and reflection. And these are things that I think music is for that's the point of it yeah. <laughs> you know i think it's very it's a bit of a double standard to him and a bit very unfair on his character because first of all he's been criticized by pitchfork as well which who he called out uh last year for being a sad boy right mm. they were one of the publications that used that term and now he's being criticized by the same publication being too happy yeah <laughs> it's like where where do you want him to be like i exactly. mean do you want him to be miserable um, and he's been very vocal in the last year about mental health and uh, his struggles with it and how he thinks that festivals should have uh, therapists on site mm-hmm. for people who are touring constantly because he said it's something that he's been dealing with since he was the 21 since he first took off in terms of his his career and uh, he uh, he kind of there's it's, it's worth looking at um, he did a panel last year about this and talked a lot about his uh, mental health and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. So it's like, here's a man who's now happy and who's found somebody to be with uh, in his life. And uh, he's written songs about that, celebrating that. Good and songs as well. Y- yeah, not indulgent songs. Uh, yeah. like, it's not like this is a, a dirgy folk album about uh, about love and uh, that doesn't spark any imagination. Mm. There's plenty of imagination in this. There's and there's plenty here that we haven't really... We've definitely not heard from him before, but there's a lot here that I haven't really heard before. Or in ter- in terms of, you know, the, like love has been written about in every single possible way. There's we've, Nobody has anything original to say about love, but he's at least doing it in... And in, in interesting ways, musically, like the way you'd be listening to a song and then halfway through it just throws a complete curveball in the rhythm or the song will just completely change key out of nowhere. And it's it's got this kind of frantic energy to it. And I think that that's it's that's so much more valuable than just looking at it and saying, oh, well, he's singing about love for 13 tracks or whatever it is yeah. it's like no it's he's, a very cynical view of what he's doing it is think, it's really cynical and it's it's not it's not taking into account how it is that he's doing that he's it's a really musically a very very accomplished work from start to finish that know? song we played at the start there is so it uses a sample from the manhattans and it's such a lovely uh it's like being swept up off your feet as in the same way that you would be if you when you fall in love mm-hmm. it's like you being you feel light in your feet the sample gives you that kind of same idea um, there are other tracks here where the music definitely mirrors that kind of thing. Are you in love with its cascading synth notes? That was the first thing I heard in the album that I was like, oh, wow, this is something different. It yeah. feels like it's bright yeah. and it's lighter. And it's something that is definitely a huge contrast to his last album and some of his earlier work as well. Sure. OK, he started as a post dubstep electronic artist that did a lot of alternative stuff. Ah, but who, who among us hasn't, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I think he's just used these... Uh, samples in such a lovely way I'll Come To has a sample of uh, an Italian track from Bruno Nicolai which is really lovely and it's just even a very simple sentiment of like oh you're going to New York I'll come to yeah uh, why, really lovely. why don't I come with you I'm going there I, I can go too the yeah. last song is about um, just staying up with somebody who can't sleep just because you love them yeah and uh, there's loads of lyrics like that in, and I really like um, 
the where's the catch the the track with Andre three thousand is a great track. Oh man, it's it's I think one of the only places on the record where there's doubt, and you know he's he's asking where where's the catch like what this is going a bit too well. Um, what's am am I, am I going to mess this up? Are you going to mess this up? You know what's where where's the catch, and. Andre 3000's verse on this like I when I was listening to the record for the first time through um I was on a bus and Andre 3000 came in and I literally like gasped it is such a moment like it's just it it's a complete curveball and yeah he just kind of parachutes in and that's what I love about Andre he just has that um he just takes command when he, he comes does, in yeah all the time, and no matter what track he's on, he's just like it's like the um, the millionaire song with Khalees. He's just like he just comes in, and you're just yeah. like ah, yeah, yeah. What a verse. He um, sounds unbelievable. He's well on top of his game in in this, and he sounds great with James Blake. And James Blake works with him like he's he's a he's an excellent collaborator. Um, like the the song he did with um Bonnie Bear two years ago was my song of the year that year. Um, the color and anything. No, uh, we need a forest fire. That one. Um, he's a, he's an excellent collaborator, and I think his work with, like the the run from the track with Rosalia, basically down to like the the rest of the album it's is super strong from the middle on. I think. Yeah, it took me a, f- a few a few goes on the first three tracks. Yeah, me too. to get them. I but think I, when it I comes think in from can't Barefoot believe in the, the park. way we flow, then yeah. Barefoot in the park, and then the next few songs, you're like, oh right, super strong, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. when I noticed it. And you know, and if he if he the Pitchfork article does assert that he is suffocatingly serious, but it also does note that uh, there is some humor in it, and mm. and I agree with that as well. Like the song Tell Him says, I've been in the snake pit so long, I put posters up, mm-hmm. um, and then Power On, which is a nice line about like. Let's go home and talk shit about everyone. Just yeah. like, um, I think I like Power that. On's really beautiful. It reminded me of the, um, the 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 outro in Power On reminded me of the if you can hold on, hold on from all these things that I've done by the Killers. It's that kind of you know really positive, affirmative like thing that you can just have and be like, oh, it's yeah, yeah. it's just very nice. <laughs> and then Don't Miss It, which was the song released last year, which makes a whole lot more sense in the context of this album, but also references that whole sad boy thing in mm-hmm. terms of like, you know, this is a song about a mental health and actually just taking those uh, bright moments when they come, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like when you get to hang out with your favorite person every day, when the dull pain goes away. I think that's what this album is, though, isn't it? This This album is him taking the bright moments when they come and him capturing them song by song. And nearly filing them away for when there are darker times, whether it's in the relationship or whether it's in in his own mind or with his own mental health, that there'll always be these small moments of joy and of love. And I think that that's what the best love songs do and the best love records do that. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, I think it's, it's just wonderful what he's done. Okay. I think that's it from uh, from us on on James Blake, an album that we really really enjoyed, and we do implore you to check out. It is uh, an album that I've been listening to a lot in the last week. I find it a, a very suitable to my January mood, um, mm. just very uh, chilled in a way, but also lots of substance. And lots I have to say, to it's lifted me a bit. Yeah, this January has been quite long. There you go. Who would have thought James Blake would be lifting? You? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. Um, we will play uh, one of the songs uh, just to play us out from this album is uh, the uh, song featuring Rosalia. 
who uh, you may know, uh, the Spanish flamenco artist. Uh, and as we found out today, um, the song does indeed sample a track from 1971 from an Irish musician who was 13 years old called Valerie Armstrong. We've <laughs> This is something I was dealing with all day. Um, <laughs> and then Valerie Armstrong did actually email me today to confirm it. And it turns out James actually did confirm it yesterday on Twitter, but I didn't see it. Anyway. It is does feature an Irish sample from uh, Fesh Kjol in 1971, and you can hear it in the background of this song, Barefoot in the Park. Album of the Week, James Blake. Now it is time for our Songs of the Week. I'm going to start our Songs of the Week with Foles. And they have a new album out uh, coming this year. And they have a song called Exits. That's a new track from Foles from their uh, forthcoming album, which is uh, part of two albums, part one and two, called Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost. Um, And uh, they also announced a date in the summer at the Trinity College Summer Series on July 2nd in Dublin, as well as some UK dates. Uh, Tickets are on sale next Friday, February 1st for that. But in the meantime, what do we think of the new Foles track, Andrea? 
Um, oh, okay. So, I'm gonna, I, I'll go first. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of this. I wasn't a fan of their. I wasn't a huge fan of their last album. I was a fan of their first two, um, particularly their first album. I was, um, but it's kind of been diminishing returns for me since. Um, so I'm interested to see where they're going. I really like this song a lot. Okay, I I like um I like some of this song. I like the message in it, like how it's a bit um anxious about the world around us and about the diminishing state of the planet and, and that kind of thing. I don't I don't think the melody's there. Um and I don't think they do enough with the bop that this has the potential to be. Um it just it it didn't grab me. It really didn't grab me and I was a bit disappointed. So you're saying foals just don't have the bops in this case. <laughs> <laughs> they need to get into more fights. Yeah I I think if this was the second track that they released when they came back, I might have been a bit more open to it. But this isn't as as a comeback and as, you know, highly like teased this has been. Um, it just didn't didn't make me go, oh, my God, they're back. You know, well, I like what I like about this is that as a comeback song, it's like six minutes long and it's quite expansive in its uh, production and you don't really know what's coming next. And that's what I like mm. about it. I, it it kind of teases up the album nicely for me. I don't know what we're getting after this. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be all six minute songs or very long. Um, or they're going to do some Spanish Sahara kind of tunes or whatever it's going to be. But it's very much like it is establishing. It's a bit of a canard in a way. It could be. Could possibly be. We don't know what this is like in compared to the album. It's not a straight ahead pop song. It's not a straight ahead like foal single as they've done before. Totally. Um, it's got something but the, but else the, going I, on. I think that's that's where it loses me because I don't know what I don't know where this belongs. I don't know if they're trying to do like a kind of a national thing where it's it's more introspective but with a kind of a driving rhythm. But yeah, it just, it didn't land for me. I'm excited to hear what else comes because I like Folds, the same as you, particularly the first two records. Um, and I think they're an, a brilliant live act. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking them out in the summer. But this, yeah, um, I'll I'll withhold kind of criticism until I hear yeah. more, okay. I think. I think that's fair enough. Um, I really enjoy this on its own merit, um, but I'd be interested to see how it fits and how the dual album is going to work. Apparently they are... Um, together but separate in some ways. So sure. I'm not sure the artwork <laughs> will be similar, and uh, it'll be part one and part two. Um, I don't yeah, know. He's, um, Maybe it's it's all just a ploy to get more Spotify streams. Who knows? It might be. They said they can be listened to and appreciated individually, but fundamentally they are companion pieces. There you go. So, so that's a double album. <laughs> and it. um, it's a it's a meh from from Andrea, and it's a yes from me at the moment. A, meh a cautious a yeah. yes, I think. Sure. Now, it's time for another song from some comeback kids. They are Vampire Weekend. Yes. They're not fresh off the boat as uh, their album was guessed at. FOTB was is the title. Um, it was the uh, acronym of the title. It turns out to be Father of the Bride. I, I, I guessed it immediately. You knew it? I you didn't it. say it anywhere You're online. You're just a big Steve Martin fan. But I was like, yeah, Father of the Bride part two. It so fits in with, with Vampire Weekend and the preppy like kind of thing. And that film is like full of totally. uh, opulence and like stupidity. Yeah. Um, so this is Vampire Weekend. <laughs> They're back. They're song, they released two songs. One is called Harmony Hall, which is the one we're going to hear. And another called 2021. And this is the former...
took a vow in summertime. Now we find ourselves in late December. I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender, but they don't remember. Anger wants a voice, voices won't sing. Sinners harmonize. But every time a problem ends, another one begins. And the stone walls are finally all bear witness. Anybody with a word in mind can never forgive the sight of wicked snakes inside a place you thought was dignified. As Vampire Weekend with their new song Harmony Hall. Andrea, what do you think of this? Big fan. Okay. Yes, loving it. It's um, pretty much to me the same as all their stuff. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, funny you should say that. So um, I'm I'm a massive, massive Vampire Weekend fan. Um, and when Rostam left a couple of years ago, I was very sad because he obviously has um, has had such a such a huge influence on, on the production of their records, um, specifically Modern Vampires of the City, uh, which was their most recent record. 2013. 2013. It, I, can you believe it? Um, and yeah, I thought, oh my God, it's going to be obviously going to be dearly missed. And then when I heard this song, I was like, oh, okay, oh, they seem to be getting along fine without him. No, he produced this song. <laughs> so it's still not giving us much of a taster of, of who or what Vampire Weekend is going to be without him. Um, but I really, really like this. They teased it with a two hour long loop of that really beautiful guitar line and the um the tab to go along with it in case you wanted to <laughs> learn it which I just thought was adorable <laughs> it is it is um true to form that they would release something that has that um kind of african style guitar yeah. in there yeah. it is and it is maybe a pity and maybe it's a bridge to what the album will sound like father mm. to the bride um that you know or maybe it won't be at all like it is it yeah. is kind of that it has rostam producing and, and featuring on this yeah um, i think i think he he produced an uh, one other song on on the album and then the rest is is up to the lads then it's up to you lads yeah, um, yeah uh, i um, hope this is a concept album about the film father of the bride that's that's my that's i, w- my I would love that I, I actually spent way too much time making a photoshop did uh, you actually make i photoshopped photoshop? that picture yeah today of of the father of the bride um cover film uh, poster with, it's very with his, good. Ezra's Koenig's face and uh, Vampire Weekend in a huge impact font yes I did that I have a hot take I think Father of the Bride part 2 is better than the original um, I think it's one what no, was, is no. Martin Short in both of them um, doesn't he play the uh, the wedding see. planner in both films oh yes yes I think so yeah yeah he plays uh, Jacques is that his name yeah, I, how, like that. how much of that film I remember is bizarre we had I had like a, a VHS tape of Father of the Bride part 2 like but like taped from the telly 
for some <laughs> reason because my mom was a big fan and we didn't have a lot of VHS tapes back then. So I used to just watch that film over and over and over again. We had a copy of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves oh, on, nice. on VHS. Don't know where we got it from, yeah. but uh, we had it. But it's, and, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever you owned on VHS just like became the film of your childhood. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bizarrely, Father of the Bride. He was called Frank, actually. Oh, Frank. Oh, yeah, 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 it was Frank. Frank. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was amazing. That's the Weddings by Frank thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch that film again. Uh, so oh apparently God. you might not uh, recognize them straight off, but Danielle from Heim and Dave Longstreet of the Dirty Predictors feature on that track as well. I thought you were going to say are in the film. And they're, and they're also in the <laughs> Father of the Bride reboot, which this film is actually a trailer for. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Please. Um, who would play? Who would play Steve Martin now? If it was come father of the bride, does it have to be now. someone other than Steve Martin? Because he could absolutely, still yeah, he do could it. do it again. He could, he could be grandfather of the bride. Yes, true. But or great grandfather. If, if if it was, he wasn't able to do it. Do you know who I'd like? Is your man that's on SNL? Um, oh, what's his name? Bill Hader. No, he's not. On no, anymore. he was in. He was in a film called um, the. Give me. We're not going to find this. We're frantically googling here. <laughs> yeah, Steve Martin still appears on uh, SNL pretty frequently, to be honest. So uh, I'm sure you can probably come along with his, his banjo and play some more tunes for this. Um, but even actually, if you look at the soundtrack to um, Father of the Bride and the songs on it, they actually sound like they might be uh, uh, songs from a Vampire Weekend album. We've yeah. got a uh, pool cue, uh, the wedding, snow scene. Um, Annie at the Mirror, Drive to Brunch. That is a Vampire Weekend yes, song. Yes, for sure. Definitely. They had a song called Her Chat, I forgot to say. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there you go. I can't remember that guy's name. Sorry. I'll tweet about him tomorrow. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so that is uh, Vampire Weekend and their first song in since 2013, uh, along with 2021, which is actually it a has... yeah or a meh from you? It's, it's okay. I can't imagine myself going back to this a huge amount. Um, it's a perfectly pleasant song that i won't turn off if it comes on but i'm not going to be reaching for that replay button much i'd say um so on to our next track it is from that uh, ever rising norwegian pop artist sigrid and a song that she had last week called don't feel like crying you don't blame me for what i'm saying my heart is aching do you feel it too As a new song from Sigrid, um, Don't Feel Like Crying is what it's called. Her album is coming out on March 8th. It's called Sucker Punch. I'm a little bit worried about where Sigrid is going with her album and uh, maybe echoing shades of a little bit of the problem with Maggie Rogers' uh, album last week is that when you go through the machinations of the music industry, some of the uniqueness and um, you know unique glow of what an who an artist is can get shaken up a bit and get lost. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every song she's released in the last while has had 
a little bit of uh, the magic being shaken out a bit by other people being involved. Um, sure, she didn't do everything um, to do with uh, Don't Kill My Vibe or uh, her first few tracks, but um, there was certainly something really appealing about uh, her early few tracks. And Sucker Punch and this song, um, less so, definitely feels more like it could be could have been written by any other artist mm -hmm. and uh, and to that end this song to me sounds like uh the 1975 and carly ray jepson oh one. yeah so it depends on how much you like those two artists that you're going to dig it but for me in terms of uh secret as an artist herself i'm a little bit disappointed with this i agree um i think it's it's a perfectly fine pop song it 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 ticks every box that you can imagine but it, it just doesn't feel like a secret song um her her like she sounds great um but it's i i do feel like with with every release there's more lean and there's more shine and less of that kind of is is it authenticity is that it I, i'm not sure yeah i think that's fair to say like somebody's personality shines through in their music yeah. at the best of times when they're at their best and something like this uh, is totally made for a big uh, straight down the line let's make this as big as it possibly can yeah. be but it can lose some of that identity as well i feel like if, if she released a song in the summer it might make more sense it's a really upbeat kind of summer bop tune banger um, but it's you know it's nearing the end of January. I I found it hard to kind of connect with it. Um, and yeah, I I I share your worry about the record. Um, that maybe it, it might have the, the 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 Maggie Rogers issue of there being a bit too much influence from outside. Mm. Um, but this will be her debut. Yes. So there is room. There's room to grow here. Um. It's just gone very quickly into the yeah. into the zeitgeist pop sound. Um, so much so that I'm like, oh no. And the zeitgeist pop sound of right now isn't very good. All of the good pop artists who are doing good work are kind of, you know, d doing it just to the left of what pop is right now. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Sigrid is coming from a place of be being a bit of an, uh, an outsider and an unlikely pop yeah. star and moulding herself into it, which is a bit disappointing. But like Maggie Rogers, uh, in terms of uh, hers and artists as well, like it probably won't change the effect she has on people in terms of her live performance. She mm. is a, a really uh, infectiously happy and um, extremely likable performer. Yeah. And she's going to be playing a gig, I think, in is it the Three Arena this year? Yeah. Um, so like that's a huge jump. So she's... It's going to happen for either way. It's just mm. whether we're going to be still listening in a year is is the question, you know. Um, yeah. So that's uh, Sigrid and uh, her album is out on March 8th. Um, so we'll await that to see how that goes. Now, uh, just uh, before we start uh, recording the podcast, uh, Florence the Machine dropped two tracks uh, and we're going to play one of them for you called Moderation um, it is a her first track since um, the um, her album last year High as Hope and this is called Moderation I never made it with moderation no I never understood all the feeling was all or nothing and I took everything I Can't hold it back, I can't take the tension I'm trying to 
That's Florence and the Machine. The song is called Moderation. Um, a bit of a slight change of, of tone for uh, Florence in that, for me, it reminds me, I can hear Donna Summer's Hot Stuff in there mm-hmm. or Rod Stewart's one if you want. Um, and <laughs> also the Pointer Sisters. I hear the Pointer Sisters in that track. Um, they're kind of um, like disco exuberance, pop exuberance in it. So not something I was expecting from Florence and the Machine, I must say. So I kind of like this. Yeah, I I like this too. I haven't actually enjoyed an album that she's released since uh, Ceremonials. Um, that her second album. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, same, I, same. I I I loved her first two records. I thought how big, how blue, how blue, how beautiful had its moments. Um, but overall, not great. And then High as Hope, I was very just disillusioned with. I didn't really get it. Um, I think but, it like there was one song on that that I liked, and the rest of it just I just like forgot it existed. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, whereas this feels like a throwback to to ceremonials. Uh, it reminds me of um, the song "Lover to Lover" off that, which is a really kind of soulful, piano-driven um, throwback to kind of that nineteen sixties sound. Um, and I think she she sounds great here. And I'd I'd love if she continued along this vein, this kind of going back to her roots of being really influenced by gospel music and soul music. Yeah, I would love to hear this actually uh, go lean even further in that direction, just yeah. to hear where it goes. It still feels a little bit safe um, mm. in terms of its palette and um, its sounds that it uses. I would love to hear a bit more of a disco stomp on this. So maybe we'll get a yeah. like uh, Dimitri from Paris remix. Yeah, you, <laughs> you never, never know. know. Yeah, might get that. Um, I'd actually like to hear. I'd, I'd like to hear more like organ, and I'd like to hear it go a bit more analog. Yeah. Um, I just want her to go back to those roots that were just so soulful that she just totally nailed that that sound, and then I think lost her way. Also, her voice. She's still. She's not singing like she used to. Like on those first two records, there were so many moments where her voice just goes beyond and they're stunning, would still give me shivers if I listened to them today. But um, I, f- I feel like she is she is pushing herself vocally in this song, which I think is great. And she sounds great doing it. But I want to hear even more from her because she's got the vocal range. She's an absolutely yeah. stunning vocal performer. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure if Hopeful. this is actually from an album. Do we know that actually? Yeah, um, no, I'm just assuming because it's been... It's been two years since Highest Hope. It'll be no, yeah. no. Highest Hope was last year. Was it last year? Yeah, not twenty seventeen. I'm pretty sure it was last year. Okay, um, um, I'll check that now. But I'm pretty sure it was. That's why I think we did a song on the podcast uh, earlier around this time last year. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, it was twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Jeez, not that long ago. Um, no, it really isn't. So mm. that uh, shows you how much uh, of an impression that left. Yes, <laughs> um, but um. Who yeah, the, the remember beat. Tobias Gesso Jr. Oh yeah, remember that guy? <laughs> Do I remember him? No. Uh, that song he had that song. How could you, babe? No. And he he played piano. And he's very tall. Uh, he wrote songs on that last album, as oh. he did with the album before. I think haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, Tobias Gesso Jr. Yeah, that last album was just not. No. Anyway, I'm just showing uh, Dre a picture of uh, Tobias Jesser Jr. In nice case hair. you just remember. Um, he walked away from fame, apparently. So there you go. Good but that you. is Florence and the Machine and Moderation is the name of that track. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a return moderate. to some kind of moderate form. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's our tracks of the week this week. And we'll finish by asking the eternal question of what have you been listening and watching uh, and reading in the past? Well, 
I mean, I won't say last month. No, <laughs> um, it's been too much. Because I've spent a lot of time uh, reading and, and watching stuff. Uh, I mentioned 8th Grade, the film uh, from Bob Burnham earlier on, which is a really good um, uh, film about uh, a 13-year-old girl and her navigating her way through modern life and social media and anxiety. And, oh, it's so cute. It's really it good. It is, it is. Um, and then I also watched Roma, which uh, got a lot of Oscar nominations this uh, week. I was very impressed by it. It's the Alfonso Cuaron film. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um, um, but it does have some problems. This is the thing, and I've saw people talking about this recently. It's like, I haven't seen Bird Box yet because, but I've seen all the opinions about it. Yeah. I wish I wish there was some way. It's like the answer is don't go on social media. Yes. But it's really That's the hard. To everything. It's really hard. I've I've made my one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to not. I did this during like pretty much like five minutes after watching Roma. I looked up like a review of it, and then I like I was kind of reminded of how something that was in the film that wasn't present, and I was like, ah, just ruined the film for myself. Mm. Just give it at least a day <laughs> before yeah. you start looking at reviews yeah. again. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do now is just not it's just watch something or read something and, and let then, it sit. Yeah, because yeah. I don't have to review it. Yeah, I just have to you know let it sit, and then maybe you can read about it then. So. Yes, I'll see how I get on with that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it that that's a really good resolution to have. I yeah. think. I also is uh, to cut yourself a bit of slack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just enjoy something. Yeah, you know, and it is entertainment, and you can also uh, process it uh, at a much later date. You don't yeah. have to do it right then after the film is rolling. The credits are rolling. You're, I was reading a New Yorker <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> review, a paid New Yorker. Review. <laughs> yes, that was like criticizing it. I was like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that film, and now I'm. Now I'm wrong. Terrible about it. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also read um, Sally Rooney's first novel, uh, Conversations with Friends, uh, which is really, really good. And obviously, I'd heard lots about it over the last couple of years and her herself. And uh, yeah, really good. I'm looking forward to reading uh, her uh, Normal People. Normal People. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant. I have a copy of that at home. Going to read that soon. What about yourself? Um, I have been sick. So I was watching the. When I'm sick, I go back to things that I just used to love a lot. Um, so I've been watching Arrested Development, which has just been a joy. And I, that show will never not make me laugh, no matter how many times. And like, I know a joke is coming and then I'm still laughing when it happens. So well, it's jokes galore, really, isn't it? Yeah. I, we watched the first two seasons again last year. Yeah, was... it's just it's just brilliant. And there's been nothing like it since. I'm going to stop when I get to all the fussing around with the with the new episodes and the rejigging of the episodes because I just don't I don't acknowledge that <laughs> but um really really enjoying um uh watching through that again and I'm also I'm reading um our band could be your life scenes from the American indie underground by Michael Azerad uh which is a really really interesting book kind of chronicling um the uh, kind of un underground bands in uh, America between, I think it's the late, it's around the late 80s, I think. So I've been listening to um, Black Flag, who I've never listened to before, who are gas, uh, <laughs> getting really into them, getting really, really into the Minutemen. Gas. Um, and yeah, just get, just getting into like loads of... Black Flag. The, I know. Like, gas. There you go. Absolutely gas. Like they're just so... <laughs> angsty like I I get that you know they were the first of their kind so it, it's obviously going to sound ridiculous to me now but 
you know, when they're just like, all we want to do is watch TV and we don't want to go to school. And I'm just like, okay, guys, <laughs> <laughs> your life is really hard. But the book itself is excellent. It's got in interviews with um, members of the bands and paints a really interesting and tangible um, picture of, of what the scene was like just, just on the brink. Um, so, yeah really enjoying that and then going and listening to a lot of punk and stuff since that cool great um that's it from us i think this week i think that's plenty and to chew over um and uh yeah do check out that james blake album and the firefest documentary for sure Mm. we'll be back next week um who knows what we'll be talking about do we ever know we never do but yeah in the meantime uh, uh do a final plug for the patreon if you are interested in supporting what we do to do that that'll help us uh pay the bills and all that stuff all that boring stuff that needs the to be lights done. just went off um so <laughs> no, please I, repl- I replaced the light bulb today. <laughs> it's fine we're doing okay it's gonna last 15 years so you know don't oh worry about nice, it. nice. <laughs> and we're gonna leave you with a track from a uh limerick artist called uh denise chayla who you may know from um uh, her uh, appearances on Rosangano Family's album Let the Dead Bury the Dead she's a spoken word artist and uh, rapper and released her debut track this week it is uh, two tracks actually uh, one spoken word one and the one we're about to play which is called Copper Bullet um, so enjoy that uh, full details of, of that track is up on nylor9.com as will be the track listing and everything we talked about here um, do subscribe to the podcast if you're not currently subscribed that helps us, uh, you know, uh, be heard and tell your friends tell, about tell it. Tell a pal. Yeah, Tell exactly. one friend this week. And happy January to you all. I hope you're all having an all right time. We're nearly there, It's lads. a long old month, it's but sure, we're nearly there. It's been six weeks since payday, but we're nearly there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, in honour of all you guys um, struggling and out, um, have a listen to this. This is Denise Chayla and Copper Bullet. Bye. Bye. Them man there can't stress me, text me, test me Them man don't contest me, even if they're George Them man there can't best me, uh, can't vex me Them man there can't test me, text me, stress me Them man don't contest me, even if they're George Them man there can't best me, them man there can't vex me Them man there can't stress me, text me, test me Them man don't contest me, even if they're George Them man there can't best me, uh, can't vex me Them man there can't stress me, text me, test me Them man don't contest me, even if they're George Them man there can't best me I know I'm a lion, I was raised on the den I'm the Cajun again Levels on Carolina Reaper before I go Cajun again. I'm raising the ball with my pen. Some man move way too fierce Morgan. Don't watch him taking it in. And I know there's part in numbers. So when I go, I'll take all of my friends. Might get Sarah Bartman tatted on my heart. So you know what it means to see a resurrection. When depart from it, history imparted. I put it in my art. I'm the child of a resurrection. I'm the voice my elders fought to free. Mom with Ben Belinger and my legacy. Qualified with or without a degree. Keep respectability. Don't bring that to me. I'm on my bell hooks. Brands for non-Gs for back. And I'm still going to twerk it out. I'm not a theory or a concept. This is in me. I know what I'm about and Yeah, I'm the chosen one I know the one who's making the choice Call me a diva, a prima, ballerina But I'm still on point uh. Them man there can't vex me Them man there can't stress me Text me, test me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't best me Uh, can't vex me Them man there can't test me Text me, stress me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't best me Them man there can't vex me Them man there can't stress me Text me, test me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't best me Uh, can't vex me, them man there can't stress me Text me, test me, them man don't contest me Even if they're George, them man there can't Don't talk about
female rap Like I'm extra in the scene Like you really bring that grease with your one, two, threes Talk about Muhammad Ali, oh yeah I'm the best MC, what's female rap? Like you really want it with me Can you really step to me with your one, two, three? Talk about Muhammad Ali, blah, blah I'm the best MC, dismissed We're raising the bar so you are never gonna be missed Shell, 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 cause all I wanna do is see hits What's Irish rap? It's a sound that you can't predict Limerick City on the next movement We're raising the bar so you are never gonna be missed Shell, 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 cause all I wanna do is see hits What's Irish rap? It's a sound that you can't predict Limerick City What angry? Call me angry Can't dispute me so call me auntie Don't vex me, I know you're auntie I won't call you back, it's not that deep What angry? Call me angry Can't dispute me so call me auntie don't vex me, I know you're anti I won't call you back, it's not that deep Them man there can't vex me Them man there can't stress me Text me, test me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't vex me Uh, can't vex me Them man there can't test me Text me, stress me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't vex me Them man there can't vex me Them man there can't stress me Text me, test me Them man don't contest me Even if they're George Them man there can't vex me Uh, can't vex me Them man there can't stress me Text me, test me Them man don't contest me Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 